Up next on Inside Champ Car, packing the track at Sebring. Welcome to Inside Champ Car. Brian Belansky here, Bill Strong there. On this episode, walking the floor at PRI, catching up with RPM Auto Works Racing and their Mustang program, and will anybody show up New Year's Eve at Sebring? Nah, don't think so. Of course not. Nobody wants to race for 10 and a half hours. Come on. No, come on. What's up, my man? Hey, finally home again. A couple right. of weeks away, racing. Slash uh, doing some uh, photography work in D.C. And then off to PRI, I went. Yeah, PRI. We got to talk about that. God, that's so much fun at that place. So so th- when you walked through the front door at PRI, did you look up? No. I, first of all, I didn't know where the hell I was. Oh, so there's a car oh. hanging from the ceiling. Oh, there's cars hanging everywhere. So it's- we had the owner, driver of one of those cars on a different podcast I did. Yeah, that was pretty kind of cool. Anyway, yeah, I actually didn't. I, I don't. I was. I had focus. I have that ADHD thing where you have to. <laughs> I have focus. I know where I have to go, and I have to go there now. Yes, I have to go there now. <laughs> Cannot wait. Have to get it done. That's right. So tell us about PRI. What did you find? What did you learn? Let's. Well, you know, we. I, I I wrote up a PRI review for the for the staff or for the bosses. Okay, and. Uh, did, did, Actually, I, I learned a lot. First thing we do is we look at some of the manufacturers that race with us. So mm-hmm. we go visit those guys to find out, and the suppliers of those guys' parts to find out um, what's the latest and greatest. How how do you think these guys will cheat? Um, what do we look for? Cheat? I mean, what are you talking about? Mo- yeah, Molly pistons and Penske shocks. You know, they're they're used on the Miatas, and how would these guys take those and modify them a bit to work better, or you know, outside what they were designed for, and how would they? modify them for champ car and of course i got lots of answers and got lots of pictures and diagrams and all kinds of cool stuff so we know what to look for uh in 2023 uh with some few changes that have come out um i talked uh to a muffler company which um tim sayers the muffler development manager at borla has agreed to be on our show oh cool and we're going to talk about mufflers and silencing race cars or Making them not necessarily silencing them, but making them pass our rules of 96 dB at 50 feet. And he was really, uh, really nice. Showed me some stuff and some tech that they have, and uh, would said he'd love to be on our show. So uh, we're going to have him on uh, sometime soon. Uh, spoke to the folks at Nankang Tires. I believe uh, Chris Huggins won Sunday's race at VIR on Nankang's. And uh, they were pretty stoked about uh, um, about having a, a team in Champ Car win with his, with their tires. So uh, we're going to continue some talks there, maybe. Um, Diode Dynamics. I spoke to those guys. We have a problem with lighting on our cars. Uh, some of these guys come out there with uh, these Chinese lights that are a billion candle power. Spoke with lighting di- or Diode Dynamics, and they a did a billion some, uh, candle power. That's a lot well, of candle know, power. It's it's close. It, it feels like it when they're behind you. Yeah, uh, at night. So uh, we we did some talks and uh, they offered some valuable information on lighting and uh, so I passed that on to Dana and such. And uh, then I went and talked to race tracks. Uh, we had a big uh, sanctioning body roundtable uh, called the Road Course Roundtable in the Tops Lounge. 
Um, that was pretty cool. Lots of folks in there. A lot of folks knew me, and I, I knew a lot of folks in there too. So uh, we had some really good feedback from the tracks about uh, Flagtronics, um, a lot of other race organizations and sanctioning bodies are looking at Flagtronics and uh, Trans Am was there. I had some really good meetings with the president of Trans Am. That was kind of really cool. Um, you know, some of the other track owners like Kathy Stout from Pit Race, um, the the folks from uh, Thunder Hill, uh, Autobahn Country Club, and then M1 Concourse up in Michigan. Um, you know, High Plains Raceway had a good talk with him because we're going there for the first time next year in, in quite a number of years. So uh, talk to uh, their... Um, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Glenn Connor. He's a general manager there. Had a really good talk with him. He's helped me. He's going to help me get our supplementals ready for that race. Uh, Motorsports park Hastings. They want us back as well. So we're looking at that and just all kinds of different stuff. Track safety. Oh, one thing I noticed now you, you do an SCCA show. I do the SCCA and the, the BCR just uh, announced that they're, they're going to require a lithium ion green sticker on the car um next to the on off switch it's just a 1.7 one and three quarter inch squared sticker and just to signify that hey i've got some sort of not non-traditional battery in this car to start it right so uh they're going to require that and so i've suggested the tracks actually suggested that we add that as well so i pass that on to management hopefully uh, we'll be able to get that sorted out i'm going to get a couple of made up by uh, uh rv graphics and wraps just to see the size and kind of show and maybe even put them on my gear just to let folks know hey there's some lithium-ion batteries in them there's, so, uh, and, and that's a, a an entry point to the future of potentially doing ev cars at yeah, some point in time yeah. so yeah so it's just mainly just to let the safety people yep. know and the tracks had a because i asked them do tracks want us to to make this mandatory and and they all like yes everybody in the room there's about 100 people in there everybody in the room was like yes yes you know so you know we'll we'll see you know we just because everybody says we need to do it doesn't mean we'll have to but or we will because you know yep. that's the way businesses work sure but we'll see um, some of the tracks had concerns over speeds for code 35. So we're not the only sanctioning body using code 35. Right. And, uh, I brought up the fact that as soon as, uh, we noticed that within our flagging system, that we can see how fast the, the guys are going, that we will actually normally with a black flag, we'll wait till we go back to green, but because this is a safety issue with speed, we'll black flag them right then and there. Chelsea's mm-hmm. really quick at doing that. Um, <clears throat> we'll black flag them, bring them in and say, slow down. And they usually go out, and they're pretty good after that. Yeah, but um, and but other sanctioning bodies are they're, they said that they're going to have to start cracking down on them and the whole bit. So yeah. the other thing I found funny was uh, they had talked about the new iPhone 14. Okay, why would you talk about the iPhone 14 at a racetrack, Brian? I bet you it's got some sort of GPS nano awesome technology that can be used for something. Possibly. So but if you're, you're in a high G me. event, you hit a wall. Yep. Oh. Your car falls out of the sky. Yeah. You jump it. You drop your phone. It can automatically call the local emergency services. Oh. <laughs> so the tracks are saying they're they'll they're just having emergency services showing up at the track one day and that's awesome. And, uh, some I mean, funny. Get call- yeah. Yeah. It is. Except. Some of them are getting call-out fees. Yeah. So they're passing those call-out fees to the sanctioning body, which means that we're going to pass them on to the racers. So it suggests it was suggested to the sanctioning bodies, you know, let your racers know, don't put your iPhone 14 in your race car. Yeah. 
So I hadn't thought about that. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't know. And they said that you know probably in the future Android will be following as well. Yeah. But right now, and you know, there's some talks about uh, FIA and um, some other things, and so it's you know lots of stuff there yeah. in the in the sanctioning body show um, or roundtable. Right. Spoke and to a lot of. Uh, you were like a participant, weren't you? Yeah, it was funny. I'm. I'm. I just went there. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to, for once in my life, I'm going to be quiet. Just yeah, sit no. back, take it all in. And one of, one of my friends is in back. They started talking about some stuff, and they go, "Bill Strong, put your input in." It's like, oh, thanks, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Busby from Thunder Hill. So, awesome. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, that was kind of cool. But yeah. they listened, and they. I. I think I had good input from. Yeah. Some emails I got, I, I did, so that's great. Cool. Um, talk to some advertising. We're going to go back to advertising and grassroots motorsports. Uh, we've got a schedule for that, which tomorrow I actually have to get up and, and do a nice little ad for grassroots for the uh, upcoming February edition. Um, race Car Engineering, also looking at advertising in them. If you guys uh, get that magazine, I love that magazine, Race Car Engineering. Um, uh, they have an article in there called Aerobytes, which is uh, all about aerodynamics, and they've been in there for years, and that's why I subscribe to it. Nice. Um, Talked to some sponsors. I got, uh, I want to say, three more sponsors for Champ Car. We'll see. We're still working out the details. Um, you know, it's it's. we've brought back some some that have gone away from us, so they're coming back. We renegotiated and did some things with them. And and uh, so, yeah, it was fun. I got to, I spoke to hundreds of vendors at the event, even if they had nothing to do with road racing, Sometimes you don't know it. Sometimes these companies may be looking at moving into road racing mm-hmm. and uh, kind of doing it, looking for a different market. So I uh, did a lot of talking, ran on my voice a couple of times. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Lots of people there. That was probably one of the biggest PRIs I've seen in a while. Yeah. A um, lot more effective in our series than going to SEMA, which I'd done for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but we kind of knew that. But with COVID and such, I just wasn't in a position to sure. do both. So, sure. um, but yeah, met up with Kathy from Lucky Dog Racing. That was kind of fun. We both interviewed each other for jobs, so that was that was kind of <laughs> neat. <laughs> it, it is fun when you go to these events, these trade yeah. show things, where you you run into people who you haven't seen for years, who you you know, and you catch up. Or even and, competitors, and it's I it's know. just you know, it's it was fun and. And uh, we had a blast. Uh, lots of drinking of NA beers yeah. on my side. And, you know, we went to uh, hung out with the folks from, um, oh, what's that called? The insurance company. Um, Progressive, Allstate. No, no, no. Haggerty. No, the, the Haggerty, yes. Hung out with the guys from Haggerty, Brian and such. And uh, um, that was kind of fun. They, they invited us to a few spots, uh, some car collection places. Yeah. And that was neat. And, um, but yeah, I got, man, I got to talk to some really great people and, in, in uh, you know, talking about technology, about how, you know, how we do things compared to how they're doing things. And it's kind of, you get kind of isolated yeah. doing what we do. Yeah. And I don't have enough time to get out there and see other types of racing. I try to, to get an understanding of how, let's say Trans Am's doing things or SECA is doing stuff and, uh, or even NASCAR or IndyCar, even though it doesn't really pertain to us, they may be doing something that's uh, that could help us out in this section or sure or, or do this and that. So th- being able to hang out with the president of Trans Am and discussing some things was kind of really cool. 
uh, you know, they were asking how we did some things and, and he helped me on some other on our side. So nice. that was really cool. Um, I think in yeah, the end, everyone wants to see everyone succeed. Yes. You yeah. know, and and, you know, Trans Am is is helped by champ cars, drivers and and wanting to maybe step up to another level. And and, um, you know, I, I, I truly believe you know, because it's no secret, I'm I'm heavily invested in 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 SECA, and yeah, and, yeah. and that's where I came up. But I I I do these both these podcasts because I I really believe there's a place for both, and um, everyone can succeed. And I, I I truly want all the racing organizations to succeed to succeed. Well, and Dana and a few others and I were talking, and it's like you know, Champ Cars positioned itself to be where where we want you to go to start racing. And we know people might go to like lemons and then kind of start there and then they want more serious stuff. They'll come up to us, but where do you go after that? Well, we've always kind of pushed WRL world racing league. And that's kind of the position they put themselves in. And then where do you go after WRL? Well, international GT. Right. And then where do you go after that? Well, maybe trans am or IMSA. So it's, 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 you know, and if you don't like any of those, there's always the, what's the, um, the old car racing stuff vintage, vintage. Yeah, yeah so um trans am ha- or the parallel motorsports has the yeah. um the vintage stuff as well so right. it's there's something there for all of us to kind of aspire to I you know agree. you still have the guys that want to move on to nascar or sure. indycar or formula one and and i get that all the time it's like man my kid wants to be in formula one and you know the kid's six foot two and you know he's already like 19 years old and then he's not going to formula one no but nope. you don't tell him that you don't. Yes, that. you do. Uh, I mean, you kind of keep it real, but I mean, yeah. not to be a jerk about it, but no. Yeah. But in all, in reality, if you're six, well, six foot two is actually. Oh, uh, um, uh, George Russell's like six two. I don't know how he oh, gets into. He really? Yeah, he's a big boy. Because when you see him standing next to Lewis Hamilton, it's like you know Mutt and Jeff. Um, That's interesting because Mansell was five eleven, and he was one of the taller guys yeah. in in Formula One. But I think the cars are. Built differently yeah, now, now they're lay down cars. When Mansell was driving yeah. them, it was more sit up cars sit up. and all of that. So, yeah. guess yeah. what time it is? Is it tech time? It is. Bill has no idea what I'm doing here. No, I don't because <laughs> I didn't have a tech tip. <laughs> but 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 I do. So, oh, I know, I know. What what's uh, what's today's date? More importantly, uh, December thirteenth. Right. More importantly, what's the date at the end of the month? December thirty first. And why is that date so important? It's not a leap year, is it? No, 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 no. Oh, that's uh the our race. Well, no, that's true too. From a tech tip standpoint. From a who? Tech tip standpoint. What happens on the 31st of December? Oh, I forget. A lot of racing harnesses expire. Oh. Yes, they do. So uh, you, you may or may not know, or you may have just forgotten, that uh, uh, the way the rule book's written, and I'm looking at it, it's a uh, rule uh, 3.4.2 in the in the uh, in the expansive Champ Car rule book. Um, essentially, uh, the uh, 
I say that because the rule book that I roll under is like 900 pages and Champ yeah. Cars is like 12. And I, I love ones. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, you don't want to do that again. But um, um, every, every racing harness that's in your car uh, has an expiration date on it. And uh, at the end of the year, they all expire on the 31st of some year. That's how it works. So you need to go and take a look at your harnesses. And uh, if you're going to race in February, uh, you, you'll be fine for Sebring because Sebring is the 31st. Uh, but if you're going to race the first race of next year and you've got an expired harness, I know some guy named Franks is going to go, no, I, you guys probably won't kick him out. But but you'll, he'll tell him they'll get, get him fixed before the next event, right? Yeah, Ray Frank will get, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you guys know, we have this sponsor called Lifeline U- Lifeline Fire USA, Lifeline-Fire USA, or sorry, no, Lifeline-Fire.com. Right. And guess what? James Clay and crew, they have got themselves not only fire bottles and, and uh, you know, safety stuff like that, but they sell seatbelts too. Yep. And I'll tell you what, they're um, – their lifeline seat belts are, I would say, just from using them, mm-hmm. some of the nicest belts I've ever used. And they're not a lot of money. Right. You know, they're FIA, so they last, what, five years or ten years? Yeah, the, the ones dated that Lifeline has right now expire in 2027. Right. So there's so, two types of, of, of yeah. um, testing, sanctioning body, whatever it's called. Uh, one is SFI, one is FIA. You can save yourself a little bit of money by buying SFI-rated belts, but they expire sooner. Yeah. So if you buy the FIA belts, I think it's an extra two years. Well, I, it's longer because it's it's two years for SFI. Right. That's and how I think long it's an they'll last. Extra two years for FIA, right? And FIA, I thought, was five years. Could be. It's, yeah, yeah, it's five years. Yeah, it's definitely longer. So. Yeah. So weigh that when you're deciding which ones to buy. Yes, the FIA belts are typically a little bit more expensive, but you'll be able to keep them longer in the car before you have to swap them out. Right. And their prices run, and, and right now, Lifeline has a sale on them, 20% off, and that drops their prices down to the lowest one they have is $271 for a full six-point FIA harness, three-inch or two-inch pull-ups. Yep. 2027 expiration and they are smooth as butter when you pull them up i mean they work they're nice. like much like that other company that people are paying almost 400 dollars for <laughs> um i convinced troy to get go ahead and get these um they have a the the stove which is really nice it's 309 dollars yep and that's a good endurance racing multi-driver um getting in and out adjusting it to every you know to fit everybody um, not only does it have, you know, the, the nice slides and everything for the, for the belts, but it has got the two sub belts yeah. that go off to the side. Unlike some of those SFI ones that we've used for years that only have the one sub belt. Well, that helps to, uh, contain your driver in the car a lot better than, you know, it's a newer technology than the older six or five point harnesses. Yeah. And if you've ever, uh, tested the harness. And you're yeah. and, and you're a guy, um, it hurts less when yes, you have. Yes. I don't know. I've never used that. I have one. I haven't used it yet. Uh, um, but and and uh, but yeah, it's not. That single it, belt it, tends to um, have a a point of of usefulness 
And right. when it stops you from submarining, which is the job of the submarine belt, when you only have one belt, <laughs> there's only yeah. one place for that belt to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yep. when you have two belts, there's some place for your stuff to go. <laughs> And yeah, and it's it's safer too, yeah. so that you know it's just not one connection right. to keep you from submarine. So something happens that breaks, you still got the other one. Sure. So or it pulls out from the floor or some, you know, who knows what can happen in an accident. Uh, you know, I talk for stuff. a living, and and singing soprano is not something I need to nope. move to. Nope. So, nope. Um. So but so there's uh, just to let you know as a disclaimer, uh, Lifeline uh, is a sponsor yep. of Chant Car. Just to let you know for the. FCC or yeah. whoever it is, FEC wants to wants us to say that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, so Lifeline does have the uh, the latest eighty eight fifty three dash twenty sixteen FIA standard belts and uh, pull ups, pull downs, snap hooks, all kinds of yep. cool stuff. And I'll put so, a link uh, to that in the show notes. Yeah. So let me let me send that over to you. you and go. also, you know, your fire systems, check them. Yep. Some of them are will expire as well, depending on when you bought it. So uh, make sure you do that. Yep, check um, all that stuff. Yep. So, th- so that was a tech tip, Bill. Did I do okay? You did awesome, man. You had me, you know, um, <laughs> you caught me off guard. That's okay. But you do that every now and then. I mean, once in a while, I, t- I like to shake it up a little bit. Yeah, that's good. I like to shake it up. Me and Tay-Tay. Yeah. No, let's shake it off. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Anything else before we head out? No, it's... Or head to break. Uh oh. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry, I couldn't hit the cough button That's quick okay. enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got a lot going on here. We got Rick coming up, and yeah. uh, it's going to be a good talk. A good guy. Good car. Pretty. A really pretty car. I, I do right. like it. If you can call a Mustang pretty. Yeah, you can. Not to say Mustangs are pretty. Uh, anyway. You just can't call them cute. That's true. That's true. Rick Broussard yeah. from RPM Auto Works Racing. Next on Inside Champ Car. Don't go anywhere. Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out ChampCar.Live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. ChampCar.Live. Come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. Welcome back to Inside Champ Car. I'm Brian Belansky. Here on the left coast, the right coast, is Bill Strong. Our guest drives a Mustang. Can't be all bad, right? Yeah. Rick Broussard. How you doing, Mr. Broussard? Fine. How you guys doing tonight? We're doing good. Andy's in Florida. You know. Oh. Headquarters of uh, racing, isn't it? Daytona. Daytona, that's right. Sebring. I'm going to Sebring here in a couple of weeks. So are we. Yeah. I'm I'm going after you. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to stay here. Um, Why are you going to Sebring in a couple of weeks? um, Because there's a a different group races at Sebring. Oh. So 
I'm working the Rose Bowl. I, I'm digressing. I'm sorry, Rick. I'm working the Rose no, Bowl for just, the first Rick, time. Rick's not going anywhere. Just keep talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm working the Rose Bowl for the first time, so I got to be here for New Year's. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. I, I live ten minutes from the Rose Bowl, and I've and I've tried to work it for the last nine years since we moved here, and finally I, I got a buddy of mine who's coming to work for uh, the Big Ten Network. Sweet. And they needed an extra production manager. So mm-hmm. anyway, I've completely Rick, digressed. How are you, buddy? <laughs> how you doing, Rick? <laughs> so ford mustang guys uh you've uh kind of done well recently with that mustang which is really odd because normally mustangs don't always do well we've had a few over the years that have done well but yours has done really well lately well we spent a lot of time and effort on on research and development and thank god i got my uh well you met chandra the giant at, yep. at the one in Atlanta, that guy's like six foot eight, um, and can fit himself in very small corners of that car. I don't know how to do all the work due to it, but he built one hell of a car. I just wrote the checks and I'd get to drive it. So, and, uh, I surrounded myself with some good drivers. That's for sure. Now let's start at the beginning. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> I was going to jump in because Bill always does this. He, he, he takes us to the end before we go back to the start. Um, I like to start these things by by kind of figuring out what what got people involved in this. So let's go into the Wayback Machine and and what's your early story of becoming a car guy? Well, first memory I have being a car guy is my dad restoring old cars in his garage when I was uh, a toddler. Uh, spent a lot of time out in the garage with him. And when I was 10, he got me into racing. He built a racing go-kart, put me in it. And I was hooked from that point on. Been racing off and on for my whole life. Very cool. Very cool. And then what was your graduation from carts to cars? Uh, whenever I became an adult, um, got out of carts, built my first. Wait a second. You, you Wait, be- when do you become I say, an adult? You became an adult? Well, that's <laughs> I'm a 57 year old kid. So, there you go. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I guess in my late 20s, I built my first dirt track car and raced at the, the local dirt track. Then got that? it. That was in a Savannah Overthorpe Speedway, mm-hmm. um, which actually no longer exists. It shut down this year. It got bought out by uh, a big, huge warehouse that's going to make uh, shipping companies there. Mm. So sad. Hard to see these these uh, these small tracks, these small hometown tracks disappear like this. Yeah, it's not just small hometown tracks. I mean, Auto Club Speedway out here is going to become a short track here. At least they keep saying that's going to happen. Um, real yeah, estate's hurt, worth that, money. That hurt us because we were actually racing and rent or mm-hmm. renting and racing at a Auto Club. So interesting, interesting. Oh. With PBIR, that was I was at the last race there uh, this this year. And how was that? Now now we're going to fast forward. How was that event? Because I heard great things. You're like the third or fourth person who made the trek down for that last uh, champ car race down there. Oh God, I love that track. Um, That's why I was so disappointed to find out they're going to get rid of it because that was a phenomenal track. Part of the problem is it's so far away from everything. It is. Um, and to me, it seems like that's how I thought I was going to survive because it's away from everything. Yeah. Right? You don't have neighbors complaining. I remember I, the first time I towed to Sebring from Atlanta. I thought Sebring was a whole long ways away until I towed to 
from Palm Beach. And I'm like, well, oh, my God. <laughs> and Palm Beach is much closer, though, than um, what's the other one down south there past Miami? Homestead. Homestead. Yeah, that's forever down there. But it's it was to me, it wasn't that bad. I, I, I actually there there were aspects of that track that I did not like. Part of it was we did a 24 hours of lemons race there in 09. Sorry, 2011. 20, yeah, 2011. And there was a, a dip on the back straightaway, and we had a broken engine mount. It caused us all to get seasick. We had a broken car. Uh, I had a, I went into AFib like right before the race. It was just really a bad, a bad, bad time. And of course, you can't put the blame on yourself. You have to put the blame on the track. So right, that's okay. why I kind of really never liked that track until I went back as an employee and did a couple of laps around it in the pace car. And it's like, this is actually a pretty fun track. You'll, you'll find Rick, if you've listened to the show that every bad race bills ever had is the race track's track's fault. fault. Well, it's never the driver's fault. Right. Right. (laughs) It's never Bill's fault. No, you mean like crashing the car into turn, you know, four corners in. Yeah. (laughs) Track's fault. Not mine. It was wet. Uh, so, Uh, but that Mustang has, um, has you, you, you got oh wait are we still in the history no we part? we're good now we, yeah. you you appeased me okay <laughs> now now what year is this mustang cuz it's like one of the newer ones yeah. it's one of the yeah. cool looking ones uh, it's a 197 body it's an 05 it's the first year that ford changed the styling um after they decided whether they're going to keep the mustang in their lineup or not that was chevrolet did the same thing they decided they didn't want to keep the camaro around for a few years but uh, this was must, uh, Ford's first comeback was the S197 bodies. And I fell in love with the styling as soon as I saw it on the, on the lot and went and bought one brand new in 06 and um, just been a collector ever since. Um, all I have is S197s. I got four of them, wow. not to mention my, my race car. But um, we, j- I use like a challenge and I decided, you know what, I'm going to run, I'm going to run a series with this body, this particular body style, because no one else really is doing, I think there's maybe a half a dozen teams that run the one ninety sevens, and, uh, nobody has really been successful. Like you say, Bill, because those cars are just so heavy. Yeah. Uh, we cut a lot of weight out of that car. I think we weighed it at Roebling Road when we were practicing last week, and without the driver in it, the car is exactly 3,000 pounds, which means we lost about 800 pounds, and that's after we put the cage back in. Wow. Now, that, ge- that generation of car is, there's a big change. You know, in the mid-90s, there's a big change with the electronics in cars, OBD, and, uh, you know, being able to... Uh, scan all the cars and control you know the government had more control over what could be done with the emissions and stuff and then then you started getting into the the 2010s where there was just a lot more structure added because of regulations with rollovers and crashes and stuff like that so they kept having to add weight and that's that was the killer now that has a pretty darn good or a large fuel tank too right like no it's a small tank. That's one of the things we've been battling. As you probably know, you probably heard me complaining about. Well, wow, there's a whole list of guys that complain about fuel tanks to me, which, you know, which I find funny because, you know, I found a way around all that, but a long time ago. But, um, yeah, they outlawed that. But, the uh, yeah, they email me all the time. Like, I like I can change that kind of stuff. Right. I can't. Well, by the- no. It's- 
camp car, so we have to rely on you to to sing, you know, sing our songs for yeah. us. Yeah, we try. <laughs> so I, I mean, I go, I, I go to these races all the time, and I, I, I know what would happen if we opened up fuel. Um, I, you know, it sounds like a good idea until you do it, and then it's not. You, you're basically, you'll see these huge horsepower cars out there, and yeah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be great. But I love, I, I do love some of the creative posts a lot of these guys make on the internet with, uh, you know, on forums and social media about adding fuel and adding coolers and all that stuff. So, you know, even though I'm big proponent of coolers, so, you know. so I'm looking at a picture of the car, Rick, and, yes, and I see this big guy who looks like Merlin Olson standing next to it. <laughs> Is this the, the six foot 12 guy you were talking about who built the car? Uh, the guy with the beard, the tall, the next to the tallest guy is the guy who built the car. That's Sean. Okay. Uh, the ball headed like myself. That's about seven foot. He is the father of one of my drivers, the blonde okay. kid. Uh, that's his dad. Okay. And the blonde kid, probably every bit of six foot five. He's, uh, I grew him, you know, I got, I got him big in my team. I'm like five, <laughs> nine, five, ten. I like a midget compared to a lot of these guys. Uh, okay. Cause I like, you were talking about a big guy. I'm like, man, that guy is huge. <laughs> Yeah. Looks yeah, you like, got to go to the amp picture now. Of course, this is a podcast, and we can't share this. Uh, not till next year. Not till next. Year. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Cats out the bag now. We can't tell people we're changing the format for next year's oh, video. Shoot, this big secret, man. Darn it! <laughs> I'll have to. Well, I'll rewind that. No, I won't. <laughs> no, because you know we're doing it live next year, so we can't. That's right. Yeah, you, know, you can't do, do that kind of stuff. So uh, you you have a what two you got even a dog on your team and um, <laughs> stuff like that. So what kind of car did you race before this? Did you race any car before this? You know, it's, uh, sports car. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit. Um, not I wasn't as heavy into it as I am with Champ Car. Um, and I did a lot of dirt track cars. I did some asphalt oval track cars. But this is my first. Old guys like me, we decide let's. Uh, we don't want to ever give up, give up our racing roots, but we don't feel like fighting on a Friday night, so we we go to Champ Car or something a little more docile um, that you know that our bodies can handle. Yeah. So, so for the next few days after the race, you're like, oh, why am I doing this? I can't move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what, what what kind of lap time does the dog turn? The dog? I'm seeing a the... picture of the dog with oh. the team there. <laughs> dog. Uh, he just happened to jump in the picture just before. That's awesome. That's One of the awesome. driver's dogs. So you've got a, a heavy car with a tiny fuel tank that looks great. How Thank do you, you make it how do you make it go fast? It's a four cylinder, isn't it? Oh no, no, no! Four plus four, four times two. <laughs> um, you know, honestly, we've like I say, we've just learned to read between the lines on the rule books. Um, that's probably one of those legal cars out there because Sean is a stickler for you know if we're going to win, we're not going to get kicked out for for anything. Bill's taking and, notes again. Pardon me. Bill's I'm taking, notes. taking notes. It's I'm just taking notes. <laughs> yeah, Sean swore me to secrecy about the about how we. We get the cars little bits. Yeah. <laughs> I know because most cars, they have hood pins. I see padlocks on the hood studs on this car. So um, there's got to be something super stealthy underneath. Because it's one American, th- man. One thing I learned is that fast is not always fast. Fast is consistent. Right. Yeah. 
And plus having a good set of drivers too. I mean, you guys do have a good set of drivers. They stay out of trouble. You bring that car back pretty much. The only, the only stains on the car are bug stains. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, cause I told them I would kill them all if they, if they scratched it. So. <laughs> that and Miata oil on the front when they were <laughs> trying to get out of your way. <laughs> the Miatas are still pretty vicious in the corners there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amp uh, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I found myself in the lead in a, in a Camaro, not in the lead, but you know, up, up front behind the pace car. And I just saw like <laughs> eight or nine Miatas behind me just thinking, Oh my God, what am I going to do here? <laughs> I'll back them all up, piss off the race director, of course, but I'll back them all up in the last corner and then I'll floor it and use a drag racing power of the, uh, of the Camaro. And it worked up until I got down to turn one and then I was being swarmed upon. Yeah. But yeah, they didn't get me down the straight though. Yeah, that's the only advantage we have is if we have long straight. That's what really surprised me is that we did as well as we did at AMP because AMP is a lot of turns and very short straights. Um, I think we just put our heads together and decided let's just drive a smart race. Don't worry about passing everybody. Um, and Sean, the the crew chief, he's he's a great planner. He knows down to the second when we're going to need fuel. Um, you know, he he's just he's on top of everything, and we just follow his lead. When he says come in, like if a caution comes out and we're still 15 or 20 minutes from gassing up, come in while it's under caution. He, I swear he must have worked for NASCAR or something at one point. But. <laughs> so that um, does well at tracks like AMP. How does it do at the big tracks like Daytona or Road America or Road Atlanta? Sorry. Uh, it's going to it's gonna love Sebring in a couple of weeks. Um, okay. Straightaways, that's what we're going to, we're probably going to get up. Uh, well, like a Roebling Road, Roebling Road has a three-quarter mile straightaway, very similar to some of the larger tracks, and um, we're getting up to like 140, 145. Okay. So that's all good. You know, it's all good and well getting up to 145. How do you go from 145 down to 20? Really good brakes. Okay. Really good brakes. And thank God uh, Champ Car did open up the brake rules uh, this year, so that saved us. Uh, tremendously before I was running stock brakes and it was, it was a, quite a feat to get that car to stop. So did you choose other performance parts over brakes before that, or was it, you know, you had to keep up. So you had to do, do the, uh, the engine tweaks or suspension tweaks, but you just really didn't have the points for the, uh, the brakes. Yeah, we had, I mean, we, that, that body starts five laps down right off the bat. It oh, takes wow. a five, uh, bone stock. And um, AMP was the first race that we were actually able to start um, straight up with everybody else because, um, like I said, Sean figured out in the rules where we could get back some points, and that's what we did, and it, it worked phenomenally. Um, I ran I, the first Mustang S197 I built. Um, that was being driven by um, one of my buddies in Logan Country Motorsport, and um, he's – He's, he's struggling with now the, the fuel mileage, the weight, because I didn't go as in-depth on, on that car as we did on this car to really do what we needed to do to make the car competitive. So he's going through some of those pains that I felt the first season. Right. Yeah. Now, having a, you, West Palm up on your social media, you're showing a $703 fuel bill. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just re a relatively short race these longer races it must go through some fuel like crazy 
Yeah, we I think we burned uh, two and a half drums at AMP. That was a two-day race. And then we burned um, about a full drum uh, down PBIR. Wow. And we were 93 octane, so. Yeah, that's not cheap. No. Yeah. <laughs> I do have some sponsors that help me out, thank God. Um, if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I can afford it, but. Right, right. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about overall wins here. Um, mm -hmm. that's kind of the focus for a lot of, a lot of teams here in champ car, but y you seem to have embraced the idea of going after that D class win. W what's the thought process through, through that? Um, I think, well, as a racer, I'm going to go for a win no matter what I'm running in. Um, I just kind of accepted that with the deficit that we started at five laps down, there was no possible way we were going to ever, I mean, everything, even if everything went perfect, you cannot overcome a five lap deficit. Right. So it wasn't until we did as well as we did at AMP and we finished uh, top 10 overall on one day and I think top 18 overall the next day is when we're starting to focus our sights on overall win now. So we were really focused on let's just get the D win and then we'll figure out how to get the overall win um, without having to switch to a Miata or a BMW. Right, right. And the difference is the, the being able to get those laps back, right? That's right. You can't start five laps down to begin with. So what, what do you start down now? Zero. Oh. We, we start dead dead up with everyone else now. Cool. So, so what, did you do, what did you do to get those laps back? Or is that something we can't talk about? We can talk about it. I mean, it's an automatic transmission. That gave me back. Oh. That's all I'm going to tell you, but... <laughs> So we've we've so let's talk about that for a minute. Now, you know, we're you and I are old enough, so is Brian, to have been brought up in a generation where you basically had to learn how to drive a stick because most of the cars out there were sticks. But we have a lot of the younger generation that don't have access to stick shift cars like we did. Um, and they're driving, you know, small you know, they're driving SUVs all over the place and pickup trucks that are all automatics or even the paddle shifter stuff. Um, do you think converting to a automatic actually opens up your 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 position to sell seats better and actually keep the car lasting longer because they're not tearing up your clutch or your transmissions? Because they know they they don't need to know how to shift. Well, everything you're saying is true. And I'm also old enough to remember carburetors, not yeah, feeling yeah. <laughs> and uh, dwell, you know, checking yeah. dwell on points and stuff like that. So we are showing our age now, but I think the, it was very hard for me to transition to an automatic because as you said, I'm used to shifting gears yeah. and love shifting gears. They feel like they have more control, but I found it, I had to learn how to drive the car all over again. And we did several practice sessions at Roving Road in Savannah here. And my crew chief, Sean, said, I'm going to tie your leg to the roll bar, your 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 left leg. You do not need to worry about shifting. Quit pushing <laughs> the floorboard, okay? Um, it's very hard to, to break that habit. Yeah. And once you do, you're like, why did I not see how easy this is uh, before now? Because the, the newer cars, the advantage you have with the newer cars um, as you said, since they've gone to ODB, they they can be tuned. You can tune the shift uh, the shifting points in that transmission. Yeah. 
which we did when we went to AMP. We had to change the entire shifting format from uh, the rolling road setup that we've been practicing oh. to uh, AMP, which is practically no straightaways and lots of corners. Can you um, play with the lockup on it? Because it's a it's a regular lockup transmission, right? Or the that's right. And a torque converter and all that. Yeah. Um, and all we do is just play with the when the shifting occurs, huh. um, so that we can control our throttling out of the out of the corners. So, uh, so do you vary that from track to track? Yeah, you have to. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Now, you'll, you'll have like a big track program, and you'll have a small track program. Okay. One and we're still trying to find. Now we we don't know what the big track setup is going to be for Sebring. So thank God, Champ, Champ Car has opened up test sessions the day before the race, so we can go out there and have all four drivers drive and give feedback to Sean, right, and determine where the shift patterns need to be. Now, do you do you manually shift it? Do you manually shift it at all, or you just put it in D and go? Put it in D and go. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we watch. Um, we put a camera in Ed's Infinity uh, every now and then, and he runs. He's one Daytona with an automatic in that. Oh Infinity. yeah. So, um, yeah. Did you have to get a big like F three fifty radiator to help cool that transmission? No, no. It 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 runs a little on the warm side, and and um, we got a little savvy with how we cool it, and it's all you know, legit. I'm not going right. to go any that, but <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, that's the biggest concern with automatic transmissions and being able to keep them cool. And at one point during the race in AMP, we actually had to tell the drivers, you know, we have a gauge, a temp gauge for the right. transmission there. And we would get feedback as to what the temperature was. And if it got up to about 220, we would say, all right, back off a little bit. And it, it would cool down very quickly. The good thing about AMP also is that we had quite a few cautions. So we right. were able to back down to about 170 very quickly. What causes that to overheat like that? Just all the moving parts with the fluid moving through so fast. Do you, do you, have you experimented at all with alternative transmission fluids to kind of come up with a, a cooler running option? Does that help at all? Not really. I mean, my sponsor, Amsoil, they, they said, you're, you're going to need this. Right. And that's what we're. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, we talked about, or Bill talked about the idea that the, the, the newer generation just doesn't know how to drive. Um, you know. well, I don't, I, I don't say they don't know how to drive. Cause I'm going to get massive email over that, <laughs> but um, it's that they just don't drive a stick enough. Right. Well, so in here, I, I'm a little younger than Bill and just slightly younger than you. And, and I, my dad had to buy a stick shift for me to learn to drive a stick shift. So I go rice cars. You know, yeah. um, this was 88, you know, there was still at that point, it was still, especially, um, you would have to have a sporty car to get a manual transmission, a regular old four banger typically at that point was, was being delivered with an automatic. The problem today though, and we're talking about this in, in the SCCA is that you, you, there's a point in time now where the cars just aren't made even with, with manuals. Right, you know, and and it's not even so much that people don't know how to drive them; it's just that the parts aren't going to be there, the donor cars aren't going to be there, um, and and that's going to be just it's going to happen more and more, not less and less as we go forward. And unless you want to be driving fifty-year-old race cars, which for some people that's cool, but you know that's what I think vintage racing's for. Um, 
if we don't have a, an alternative way to go racing, we're all going to be racing automatics at some point. Well, we're we're seeing that now with um, I, maybe you guys might not might not be seeing it, but I see it from my perspective of helping to run Champ Car is that we have folks out there that are wanting to get some sort of newer transmission or. Uh, something from another vehicle and not have to get points for it because they're just they're finding like their e30 transmissions are just impossible to find right if they do find them the the cost is just insane um the same with our mr2s uh you you know uh, there's just many cars out there where it's just hard to find these transmissions in good shape but my take is why don't we just start you know, we don't we don't give this to them. We just say, hey, you need to look for a different alternative. Did your car come with an automatic? Most likely, make that automatic work. You know, what's what's the big issue with? Uh, well, it's not that's not the way a race car should be driven. It's romance. Well, it's it's the romance of of that's what you know. You get the in car camera of the footwork, and you get the in car camera of the shifting, and 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 it's. It's the romance of what we, in our minds, believe a race car should be. You know, at some point, Bill, you're going to have electric cars running Champ Car. Oh <gasps> no! I hey, that's a different show. But I'm all, I'm all <laughs> in on that. I don't know what I can say, but yep. it's a different show. See, I, I don't I don't even know about this. Not, but I'm just throwing it out there because all racing series, if you want to keep racing 25 years from now. You know, it, I, we're well, going to have to start looking at these things. One of the coolest things released at at uh, SEMA last year was the Ford um, Mach-E mm -hmm. uh, crate motor. And they had a Mustang there, uh, S, uh, the newer Mustang. Oh, my screens keep shutting off. A newer Mustang with, uh, with that in it. And it would do wheelies and all kinds of really cool stuff. And they had one with uh, two motors, one at the front and one in the back. And extremely fast cars so you know ford i think is one of the leaders when it comes to this stuff may not be the you know the best out there compared to uh, tesla or whoever right but they're leading and helping to convert a lot of folks over to hey there's some there might be something here so when are you going to go electric car racing there rick uh that's going to be a hard sell uh, <laughs> our guy. i just yeah. i and you're right, there is a lot of romance involved with slamming gears and, you know, really driving a car right. manually. Um, but the way Sean put it to me was, why not let the manufacturers, I mean, like Ford put a lot of research and development in these automatic transmissions that they put in these Mustangs. Right. Why do you reinvent the wheel? Why don't you just take what they've invested all this money in and just, just adapt it to what we want to do with it? Yep. Has Ford been any help to you guys at all? Or oh, I wish. <laughs> we have contacts at Ford. We have folks that uh, work in the drivetrain section of Ford, and and uh, I think one of them was at a uh, at at Amp. Okay. Can't remember. Really? Yeah, he's the well, guy that did the drivetrain for the uh, the Ford uh, electric pickup truck. You know those guys that drive the uh, Freddie Mercury car, don't you? Yep. yep. Aren't some of those guys? I heard those guys were engineer Ford engineers. Is that not they a true? Do, they do something with Ford. I don't know. It's. I mean, they could park cars. I. I, I don't know. They yeah. could be engineers. They look I smart. Know. Mustang. Uh, seems like we're always. Checking. 
Yeah, that's a Mercury Capri, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Which is like a Mustang, but yeah. different. That's, <laughs> as we've talked about on this show, that's my favorite team name. Yeah. yeah. By the way, that's just I love that. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, what's your program going to look like next year? What which races are you going to head to? What's uh, what's in it for you guys next year? We've already laid out our. We've got six races on the schedule because we all have regular jobs, unfortunately, and half of us are business owners, so we never get to leave hardly. But um, we are going to run Daytona. We're going to run um, Atlanta, uh, the Michelin Raceway. We're going to run Watkins Glen, which has always been on a bucket list of mine. Um, and we're going to run AMP again, Carolina Motorsports Park, and Sebring again. Great. Sounds like a nice little program. So what's a combat comm specialist do in the Air Force? Is that com- combat communications? Because that's what you were. Yeah. we. Well, I was back in the Air Force way back in the day before. That's back when they had tubes. They didn't really have chips. you know. Yeah. Like well, you, you were in when we wore green uniforms, right? They didn't have the camos out yet. Yeah, with yeah the uh, dollar drab green. Yeah. We did yep. graduate pickles before I got out in '92, but actually we graduated to the uh, not the camo that it was a desert camo because that's right, right time the Kuwait was starting up. Um, but combat communications basically was we would they would drop us out with the equipment in the middle of nowhere to set up uh, communications between the front lines and uh, headquarters. Mm. Okay. So we had to go through some combat training and some survival training and things like that. You don't hear about that much in the Air Force because Air Force is perceived as living on a base and flying airplanes all the time or working on airplanes. Yeah, we just partied, man, all the time. It was like, you know, shower every you – know, we could take a shower any time we wanted. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have that luxury. We had, you know, holes in the ground and all that good yeah. stuff. We had yeah. to learn how to on our own for weeks on end. I didn't like. Yeah, well, thanks for serving our country there, buddy. Same to you, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, appreciate everything you've done in that regard, absolutely. And uh, it's fun talking with you about these Mustangs, and uh, best of luck with that. And and, uh, I'm sure there'll be a bunch of other Mustang drivers calling you now to talk to you about these automatics. (laughs) Before we go, do you have any sponsors to thank? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I do want to thank Amsoil and Low Country Lubricants who helped put that program together for me. Um, and a lot of local guys, um, DK Patel, he owns a, a, a fuel station, a BP station, and he helps out with the fuel. And then I have a buddy who has a um, some great, best barbecue in the world, uh, Roy's Nuts and Butts. <laughs> oh, cool. uh, yeah, Where's that he, at? That's in Savannah? Bloomingdale, Georgia, nearby my home. Okay. Um, he helps out, and then I've got Eric Strickland. Um, he's an aviation consultant. He he was a buddy of mine at Gulfstream Aerospace for years, and he went on, like myself, to go do other things after aviation got boring. And, um, I mean, that's really the gist of my sponsorship. Um, I'm looking for a tire sponsor. That seems to be my next biggest expense is tires. We, we eat up a set of tires a day when we run that Mustang. So. Well, it's heavy, and that, that could be part of it, too. I mean, it per se heavy, but we did a lot of experimenting with tires and, and then I think we got a, a, a good set now, but um, it's still a high expense. Yeah. Yep. Gasoline and diesel to get to the track and uh, yeah. tires. They'll kill you. That's right. There you go. Now we're towing so we don't have to rent hotels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Rick Broussard. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Pleasure being with you guys. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about racing at New Year's at Sebring. That's next on Inside Champ Car. Don't go anywhere. Inside Champ Car is a podcast that takes a deep dive into all things going on with the Champ Car Endurance Series. Hosted by veteran journalist, radio host, and racer Brian Belansky and Champ Car's very own Bill Strong, we talk to drivers, team bosses, tech gurus, and series supporters. Episodes air every week in time for you to listen on your way to the track. Inside Champ Car is on the Racing Wire podcast network found on Apple, Spotify, Google, and most popular podcasting apps. And we are back inside Champ Car. The man, the myth, the legend, Bill Strong with us. That shall be me. <laughs> Got to put a lot of bass in that for me. There you go. Hey, we're headed to Sebring here in a couple of weeks. We got Christmas coming up. We got Hanukkah, or is it Hanukkah? We got all those holidays That's coming right. up. That's right, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, we want to be inclusive. That's right. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but the most important one, New Year's. Oh. New Year's. That's uh, Sebring race, uh, yeah. December 30th and 31st. The actual race is on the 31st. Move-in is on the 30th. And... Uh, it's going into the night, I think. Don't know what time the sun sets there, but we do have headlights required for this event. Mm. I don't know why, but just in case, I don't know. Nobody's said anything about that yet. How long is the race? Ten and a half hours. Yeah, you'll probably get to darkness. Well, I mean, yeah, you start I, at what, 8, right? Yeah, it starts at 8 a.m., and so 6 p.m., 6.30. It'll so be dark. It oh, it'll be absolutely dark. be dark. Okay. Well, it's Florida, because the sun, doesn't the sun take longer to set down there? Well, let me, uh, you know what? You keep talking. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So it's, so we have a lot going on down there. We got a, if you arrive on the 29th, you can park on the midway. Um, just drop your trailers off there. Uh, and then uh, come back on Friday. Gates open at 8 a.m. Tech and race registration open at 9 and they have a test session that starts at 845. Um, we have it all laid out in the supplementals that the, what the sessions are. The real cool thing is we have our staff. We're going to do a staff appreciation uh, test with uh, we're going to be giving our staff some rides around the track along with uh, kind of doing some testing of our own. Um, myself and a few other staff will be actually racing the Doc Waldrop uh, brew crew car. Uh, during the race as well. So uh, that'll be kind of cool for us. And uh, just look out for us, guys. As we come past you, past you in Doc's uh, record-setting, Sebring record-holding car, you'll love it. Um, so, yeah, we have uh, all kinds of stuff going on until 5 p.m. when that, the test day is over. And then the 5 p.m. starts the new driver and crew meeting. And then tech and registration close at 6. And then... Everything starts up again at 6.45, race day morning on Saturday. Uh, cars to grid at 7.30. Everybody rolls out at 7.45, and we get racing flag drops at 8 a.m. with checker flag at 6.30 p.m., and then post-race impound and awards at 7.05. We're going to do awards at impound, so uh, we're going to have all kinds of stuff. Uh, we, the alarm.com 
Um, we'll have a alarm system that will be given away to the winner of the race. And so you guys want to stick around for that. Uh, lots of, lots going on that weekend. Um, we're also doing, uh, in, you know, car tech inspections for 2023. So you'd have to wait in that big line at road Atlanta in February or even VIR. So get those done. Now, the really cool thing about this, man, it's, you know, we were really worried about this race because there was only maybe, I don't know, 14 cars signed up and, uh, yeah, people were complaining. Nobody wants to race who ten and a half race? hours. Well, yeah. Who wants to race New Year's? They want to go out and have a glass of exactly. champagne. Yeah, eighty-nine cars are signed up. Wow. Eighty-nine teams. Eighty-nine cars. I mean, that's just wow. insane. Wow, that's a, that's the kind of numbers we get for a fourteen-hour race there. So, yeah, this is big for us. So, um, yeah. You know, lots of teams coming out. We got a uh, Jackie X, their GT30. They've won that that race so many times. Team Infinity, I think he's won it once. I can't remember if he's won Sebring or not, but he's come close. He's finished second, at, at least second there, um, with the Infinity car, or yeah, with the Infinity uh, J30 V8. Um, Running Bulls is going to be there. There's a lot of a lot of cars. Uh, SebringRacingRentals.com is there. Uh, uh, let me go through this real quick here, Bob. Prefect Racing and their, uh, yeah, yeah, they have the Lexus SC300 um, with a, I think it's got like a, it's got a different engine in it. I forget what it was. Um, Open Throttles bringing like 15 cars. Um, they're all arriving drives, but uh, they have a blast at these tracks. Uh, Hawk Performance is going to be there with Flying Ghost. Uh, Gorilla Sticker will be there with a couple of cars. Somebody... <sighs> I don't know who this guy is. Good, bad, and ugly. Some mm. sort of Corvette's going to be there, you know. But you know, it's a C3 Corvette, so you know that things are going to shaken apart by uh, Sebring. It's not like <laughs> this guy has a lot of experience at Sebring. No, no, he's never done a lap at Sebring. I'm I sure. I don't think so. I think they're new guys. The Doc Waldrop Special, driven by a uh, staff of Champ Car, that's going to probably be the winner. That's the one I'm choosing. The 860 BMW. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's going to win it overall. That's my pick. Okay. For the win, 901 Motorsports will be down there with their 901 car, Atlanta Speedworks, and a couple of cars um, in their Porsches. To see uh, Bennett Engineered uh, Motorsports will be there. Bliss Racing's taking the Camaro Z28 down there. I might be see if I can jump in that for a lap or two. Um, of course, you know, try to slow them down to keep from beating uh, Doc Waldrop. You know, the special. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun weekend. And of course, we have the big party at the hotel, the Seven Hotel. Later that night for New Year's, gonna be a fun weekend. Cannot wait, and uh, then then we get a whole four weeks off before we go racing again. Wait, do I actually get four weeks off? I don't know. I don't think I do. I don't think but you do either. In theory, we do. Okay. Yeah. So no emails, no calling us yeah, during okay. the, during January, please. That ain't gonna happen. That no. gonna happen. So oh, we I, got Daytona coming up too. Yeah, I, I tickled the ivories here. And uh, uh, sunsets five forty one. Oh, dark dark is six thirty. So, so it'll be dark. It'll dark. be You're dark. Need your lights. Yeah. yeah. And if there's any over overcast clouds or something like that, it's going right. to be dark. Right. 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 You know. And of course, dark at Sebring is unlike dark anywhere else. Because no, it's dark. It's different. It's not like VIR or Nelson Ledge is dark. 
Okay. Yeah, I guess there's a Different. little you have bit the of lighting there. Yeah, you do have lights, but you can get blinded by those lights to where you don't, you can't see the dark spots. Like yeah. um, I was coming around turn 17, a car got sideways in front of me. I didn't see, he's trying to restart his car. So every time he restarted, his lights would go off. So I, when I came through, all I saw was the side of a car at the very last second, I was able to avoid him. But that kind of got me thinking that, Hey, it might be a good idea to put reflectors on the side of your car too, not just, you know, lights on the front and back, but throw some reflective tape. You know that stuff you get for your trailer or your your semi truck or whatever you have the the DOT tape. Right. Just just buy a roll of that, or you can buy them in strips and put the red at the back and the white at the front, and uh, just inconspicuously put them there. But you know, it could be part of your your look right. or whatever you have for your car. But right. it really does add a a little bit of safety to your car. Yeah. Just in case your driver gets it sideways and you don't get a car looking like a banana. Yeah, I, I did the um, I did the twenty four hours of Daytona and the the uh, twelve hours of Sebring sim racing. Yeah, and I, that was one thing I was really re- noticed between the difference between the two is I mean Daytona is it's like racing daylight. I mean there's yeah. there's there's no issues it's there. Well lit. I mean we right. actually bring the lighting down because we have to pay for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Sebring, on the other hand, is way different, and and there's a lot less, um, especially at night. It's harder to pick up your turn-in points, your braking points yeah. at night at Sebring, um, especially when people start taking them out during the race. That never happens. Yeah, they move them. That you never know, things happens. Like that. Yeah. So, um, hey, the other the other important thing is that the clothing requirements oh, at yeah. Sebring. There are clothing requirements. Okay. You do have to wear clothes, Ed. <laughs> I didn't realize that that yeah. was the clothing we might like that actually wearing clothes was what we we're going to yeah, talk not about. Not calling anybody out, and, but uh, uh, long pants are required on the cold and hot pit lane. No shorts. Okay. That is a requirement by the track and insurance and everybody and their brother in Florida. So um, Sebring may have a gate fee, $20 for, for all vehicles um, to help cover electrical and all the other stuff on there. So bring cash. I I had heard that maybe that hasn't been happening for a while, mm. but just in case, yeah, bring a twenty just to cover yourself. There you go. There you go. And, and uh, how about the party? The party. I, I honestly haven't been paying attention oh, okay. to the party. We'll it talk is about that next page. week. Yeah, it is on our web page, but um, I I'm not a partier. I don't. You know, as you guys know, I don't drink. I don't. I'm boring. I just want to race. That's it. I okay. just want to race. But you know, there's, there's a lot of people that do the parties. I know this is an odd concept, but you can go to a party and not drink. I know. I do. <laughs> I, mean, I can. But, uh, yeah, I just I don't focus on the party side of it. Right. I just I want to race. I want to be part of the race. Yeah, I got now, you. yeah, I'll be at the party afterwards. Okay. So All right. All right. So that's cool. We're going to do this again next week. I have no idea what we're going to talk about next week. Deal? What is next week? Is it Christmas at no, all? No, no. We're still like two weeks before that. Oh, okay. I think we have three shows before Sebring. Okay. So, so we, well, we this is two more about. shows after this one. We can talk about the in, the 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 altitude changes at Sebring. We can talk about you know, certain changes. pebbles that are on the track <laughs> somewhere. You know, we can get that detailed. All right. We'll do that next week on Inside Champ Car uh Whenever we decide to talk about the stuff, we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah. If you've liked what you heard in this episode, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. It'd be great to share it on your social media channels. Comment on the Champ Car Facebook page. 
New episodes every week. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Belansky. This is the Racing Wire Podcast Network.